Ah, oh, there you are. Was beginning to think you weren't coming. Master. Good. Then maybe I stand more of a chance this time. Are you ready? Are you? Then let's begin. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 489, 11 years and counting. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Yoda to my Ben Kenobi, because we've been here a long time, a long time. We have Carl LeClaire. Oh, Jason, it's good to be back. It is good to be back in the lair yet again. And How you doing? I'm great. We had so much fun out there. I had so much fun out there visiting with you, having a great time celebrating these 11 long years of Wampa's Lair out in Phoenix. It's oh, riding off that high still. Super excited to just have a really fun episode this week. And uh, we had a great time planning out some basically episodes through episode 500 is like in the bank. We got some great stuff down the pipe. Um, but uh, absolutely. <laughs> it, we just thought it'd be fun to to celebrate the 11 years by actually just looking back on the past year and some of the things in our Star Wars fandom that have stood out to us, the things that have kind of grabbed us, invigorated us, and, and got us ever more deeply into Star Wars. So we've each we've each picked a few things, both that have fed our fandom, things from things from the stories, things from the TV shows, all sorts of things uh, to just celebrate 11 years of doing this here podcast. Yeah, it, it's pretty great. So uh, there's there's definitely been some great things in the last year that I'm excited about. Uh, story-wise and otherwise. So um, where where should we begin, Carl? Do you want to jump in first? Do you want me to jump in? Uh, we got all... It's going to be all over the place today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, before we jump in, Jason, I just think it's important to, to thank all the folks who've been with us, whether for 11 years or for one month. Um, of course... You and I love doing this. You and I could talk to each other all day about Star Wars, uh, regardless of who's listening. Um, but just super fortunate for folks that do choose to listen. So whether you're a, a relatively new listener or you've been with us from the beginning, uh, just want to kick this off by saying thank you. Thank you for being part of the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for participating. Thanks for sharing the show over the years. We heartfully appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. It's it's been very wonderful to uh to have all of you along this journey with us um uh, and getting to meet you at, you know, conventions and online and all this other stuff. So, uh thank you, thank you very very much for for participating in 
the past 11 years of podcasting with us. So, Indeed. It's a super, super fortunate um, <laughs> to, to, when you're doing something like this to have people that want to listen. So uh, it certainly makes us feel pretty darn good knowing that there are people who, who want to continue to listen. Um, and you know, Absolutely. an episode like this is kind of a, a, a personal episode, not like deep personal things, but like, this is just stuff that has been feeding us in our star Wars fandom. So, uh, this may jive with you. It may not. The, I think the neat thing, Jason is like, we both have been fed by very different things. Um, mm-hmm. some things new, some things old rediscovering old parts of, uh, star Wars stories is certainly part of the things on my list. Um, so whenever we do things like this, like it, I think one of the reasons is I enjoy celebrating the anniversary of the show every year. Jason is one is it just, especially I remember when we hit year five, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe we've done this five years. And then last year when we hit yeah. year 10, I'm like, Holy crap, we've been doing this a decade. Um, yeah. what I appreciate about it is just, it is kind of a nice opportunity to just sit back and reflect about like, Hey, where, where did my star Wars fandom go this past year? Right? Like how did it grow? Where did mm-hmm. it go? Um, so as we kind of share with you the ways that our fandom has been fed this past year, we of course want to invite you to maybe do a little reflection yourself. Where, where have the parts of star Wars this past year that have fed you? Um, and, uh, and what sort of things are you looking forward to down the pipe? Uh, cause as we know, Jason with, with Disney now owning star Wars will never be the well will never run dry. <laughs> right. That's um, for sure. So I think, you know, every now and then it's just it's I I just find it exciting to just sit back and take stock of look back and like, wow, the last six months, the last year, what are what are the things in Star Wars that are grabbing my attention and and, and holding me closer to the galaxy far, far away? So that's just, you know, kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I'm very curious to see uh, what kind of things end up on your list, Carl. Um, as well, I'm sure the reverse is true for me. It won't, it won't be a surprise considering we talked about it in the car the other night. Well, that's true. But that said, you, you were still forming your list. So I'm more excited about yes. hearing you than, uh, I think what I'll share is to you, at least not going to come as much of a surprise. So that said, I'd love to hear from you first. What, what's the first thing that stands out to you? Well, uh, this is this is very much top of my mind right now because um, this aspect of my Star Wars fandom was fueled um, while Carl was out here visiting, and uh, we'll get more into our antics later. But right now, uh, one of the biggest, you know, one of the most consistent aspects of my Star Wars fandom is the collecting side. Mm. And for me, right now, one of the biggest things that has grabbed my attention is the new micro galaxy line of ships that is out there right now. Um, this is the current iteration of the old micro machines. And uh, there's some really cool ones out there. I now own, I have two of them um, because I'm, I'm trying to be judicious with my money, uh, <laughs> but uh, I could, I could definitely have a lot more, uh, but we have, I have the Razor Crest, the Mandalorian's Razor Quest, Razor Crest, excuse me, <laughs> uh, and then Asajj Ventress's, uh, I forget what they call it, but I've always called it the Finblade Starfighter, um, which is really, really cool. So, yeah, the, this is always, the Micro Machines were always my favorite ship and vehicle line to collect 
partly because, you know, it's it's nice to be able to hold the ship and fly it around, and partly because uh, it doesn't take up nearly as much space mm. <laughs> as a collector. Um, but I, there's always been something I've found really endearing and uh, that's drawn me to that kind of size uh, collection. So when – and I, I don't follow collecting news – so my first knowledge of this line coming out was when I saw it in Target uh, uh, for the first time. So <laughs> it was a very wonderful surprise. Um, a bit of a surprise, but a welcome one. Um, and <laughs> and I, I definitely am, am eyeballing uh, which ship to get next, whether I want to you know, wait a little bit longer and get the Millennium Falcon or... I don't know. Try and get one of these other ones, uh, the the mid size uh, range, and see see what goes there. But yeah, I'm definitely looking at more of these ships. And at the moment, it's uh, kind of top on my list of collecting uh, items. Is is the Micro Galaxy line of of ships? They're so they're such cool ships, and um, you know they're they're kind of the the same size as the Action Fleet. Um, mm-hmm. from back in the mid to late nineties, which was yeah. I think an offshoot of micro machines. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, I mean they're they're kind of a great little size and it's it's really neat that they come with the little figurines. Um some of the ships are to scale with each other, some are definitely not. Um mm-hmm. like I think the Razor Crest isn't that much bigger than the the sling blade for Asajj that you're holding right there. Um so that's obviously not to scale, but um yeah, they're just they're so cool. And when I was, you know, out at your house this past week, um, you know, you pulled out your crate of all your old micro machines and and, and action fleet ships and mm-hmm. it's pretty neat. I mean, it was just neat to see that that was obviously such an important part of your early fandom is ha- was having those vehicles to be able to play with them, to be able to run around yeah. the house with them and display them. And and now they've kind of tapped back into that and um, they, when they, they did a few micro machine runs with force awakens and they were just so cheap looking like they, those ships just didn't yeah. look very good, but these, the, I think it's mission fleet, right, Jason, um, uh, but micro galaxy, micro galaxy, they're great. Like they, they've done a great yeah. job of like kind of upping the quality of them. There's, they still have a lot of, um, playability to them and mm-hmm. displayability, which I think is really cool. Yeah, no, they're, they're very, um, flexible in that regard so mm. they look great uh, on display but it's also super easy to just pick it up and fly it around the you know the living room or whatever um and and have fun you know blasting imaginary ties or or whatever um but yeah and it was one of those things where the the action fleet line of of, of vehicles and ships kind of died down um, after Phantom Menace, like it went away. And I was always very disappointed in that because, uh, as you mentioned, that this was one of those things that I collected, uh, you know, as a young kid, uh, when I had the opportunity to. So having it back, uh, is definitely a bit of nostalgia, uh, but also, uh, just it, it, it's a line of, of ships that I've always enjoyed. And so having it back in this way is making me very excited. I think I saw online that they've got uh, a Republic gunship coming. And (gasps) that has me very excited. Me too. That that might be one of my favorite Star Wars ships. And I don't own any iteration of it. 
So if they make that, empty some of that money from my bank account because <laughs> I'm going to need that. <laughs> and I think that's exactly. another thing. These things, they, they're not cheap, but they're not overly expensive, right? I think, I think the Millennium Falcon is the most expensive. And that, what is that, like 50 bucks? Yeah, it's a yeah, forty five, uh, fifty bucks. Yeah, like that. which so. which again, not cheap, but also not over the top. But like the Asajj ship you grabbed, I actually have Obi Wan's Jedi Starfighter, which comes with the hyperspace ring, which is really cool. Um, and, and that was like yeah. sixteen bucks. Like again, not, yeah. I'm not trying to say that that's no money, but it's not over the top, right? Like that's cheaper than a Black Series six inch figure. So, right, um, and they have just as cool of a of of a displayability. Um, so yeah, I've at this point I've still only got the Obi Wan. When you when we were together at Target and you grabbed the Asajj the, a couple of days ago, I was tempted to grab it as well, but I was like, well, no, mainly just because it was like, well, I can grab this at a local Target. I, my my bag was getting full from our adventuring, so <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they're they're just so 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 dang cool, and uh, I really loved the the time we got to spend pulling out your old action fleet. Uh, ships that you that you still have collected um and we'll talk a little bit more about that later on um but yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense that that's the first thing you're bringing up i, I, I love it i love it and oh my yeah. gosh jason i'm so damn excited that they're gonna make a republic ship or the the the, the, the gunship yeah the gunship thank you yeah oh, yeah it, that's so it's good. gonna be good it's gonna be good oh, that'll be I, so it's good. probably gonna be my guess is it's gonna be on the the similar scale to the falcon mm, um okay but we'll see I, i'm not sure I, I I'll drop fifty bucks for that. I don't care. I I need I need a Republic gunship, and that seems like something that I I finally will do the work to like string up some fishing wire to hang that from the ceiling too. <laughs> <laughs> make it feel, perfect. Make it look great. Um, perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, what's the first thing on your list from the past year of Star Wars fandom? Yeah. Well, it, kind of in a similar vein to to you, Jason. Starting off with kind of a collecting aspect um, is I've gotten really back into the the Legends canon and it's specifically the New Jedi Order. Um, you know, several months ago, I I announced that I was kind of doing this curated reread of the series back in the month of May. And uh, obviously, there's 19 books. I didn't even come close to reading that many. I read seven of them. Um, and uh, I noticed that I really like even the ones that I wanted to read that I didn't own, like I was excited to buy them and just kind of I've really enjoyed building out my Star Wars library shelf. Um, I actually I feel like I actually need a better bookshelf to put them on because the books are overflowing at this point. Um, (laughs) And uh, so in a similar vein to you, like that's the thing that I've kind of been collecting in the last year is 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 the books is and specifically a lot of the Legends books that I didn't have. I've talked about this before, but when we went to Rancho Obi-Wan, I, my favorite part of the museum is actually the library. Uh, just mm. seeing all the the books that, that Steve has on display is just so freaking cool. Um, so yeah. I'd love to have my own derivative of that. And even my buddy Greg, um, you know, he's got a great Star Wars library collection himself. So whenever I used to go down to his little Star Wars room in his basement, um, that was that was always what kind of grabbed my attention was just how how cool his, his book display looked. Um, so but looking specifically at the new Jedi Order, um, I really I really enjoyed doing that curated reread. Now, I was originally I had just slotted in four books. And uh, the month of May, every year for the last couple of years, I've, I've devoted it to just May is to me Star Wars month, right? We have May the 4th. It's the anniversary of, of all six of the original films. 
Um, so I like to devote the month of May to just reading Star Wars books. So this year I was like, you know what? I'm going to give myself a project. I was, I was still marginally employed back in May. So I had a lot of free time. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> as hard to get some reading done. Um, and, uh, I, a, a good friend of mine had just finished rereading the new Jedi Order series about six months ago. And I said to him, I was like, Hey, Tyler, can you pick four books for me? Uh, which, which I should read. Um, and then as I started reading them, I ended up filling in a couple more cause I was having such a good time with it. And, uh, what really stood out to me about the new Jedi order series is I really loved how much they fleshed out the young Jedi Knights, the young Jedi Knight series by Kevin J Anderson from back in the mid nineties was one of my favorite YA series as a kid. And the new Jedi order took those characters and really matured them, really made them characters of importance. And this whole series was really kind of this passing of the baton. It was Han, Luke, and Leia kind of passing things on to this new generation. And as I was reading the books that I read, I found myself more invested in the the new characters than I was the old. Like Han, Luke, and Leia, I was their chapters tended to be my least favorite. Whereas like Jason, Jaina, and Anakin, and some of the other young Jedi Knights, those were the stories that I was most invested in. Um, so it was just, it was a lot of fun. It really does a lot to expand on the mythology of the Force. Um, I specifically enjoyed the way that it, it kind of pits Luke and Jason against one another, with Jason trying to to make the Jedi be something less like an order of the old days, whereas Luke is trying to reestablish the order of the old days. Jason is kind of pushing against that, saying we should not align ourselves with the Republic. Um, so it's really neat because of course this series is coming out as the prequel trilogy is also coming out. So it's kind of a reflection of that. Um, so I really had a lot of fun, uh, kind of diving into that series. And, um, I, I did read the first book and the last book. I mean, Vector Prime is an awesome Star Wars book. The final book from New Jedi Order, um, which is, uh, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on this? Oh, Unifying Force. It was fine. Hmm. Um, it, it definitely has some really cool moments, but it was it was fine. Uh, but I will say, if if you ever want to read some amazing Star Wars books, it's not in a it's not an intentional duology. But after the big middle section book, Star by Star, which is essentially the story of the fall of Coruscant and the death of Anakin Solo. Um, sorry, spoiler alert, but also these stories have been around for like twenty years, so <laughs> I feel like that's yeah. that's out in the world. Um, yes. But after that, you get these two incredible books, uh, Dark Journey, which is a story about Jaina kind of trying to come to grips with the death of her brother, Anakin, and the supposed death of her brother, Jason, because Jason gets kidnapped, but they're not sure if he survived. So Jaina's journey and Dark Journey is awesome. And then you, of course, have Matthew Stover's first ever Star Wars novel, Traitor, which is the story of Jason in captivity. And it's just such those two books are some of the best Star Wars books I've ever read, not just counting legends. Um, so I, I really had a great time uh, in that series. It was a lot of fun. And this coming May, I plan to do, again, kind of a curated read of the the next series, Legacy of the Force. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, no, the, the New Jedi Order is, uh, you know, for some people, for better or for worse, uh, one of the most impactful Star Wars uh, publishing endeavors to ever exist. Uh, you know, partly just due to the you know the sheer volume of of books in the series. 
It is a 19 book series if you want to read the whole thing. Uh, but it really tried to do something very different mm -hmm. and out of the box and really kind of take things uh, and advance the world uh, of the, the universe of the Star Wars universe in a way um, that the characters could move on. And, and by the characters, I mean, you know, the, the originally, the original trilogy characters that the, the, the universe doesn't have to rely completely on Han, Luke and Leia anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we get, uh, the death of both, um, Admiral Akbar and Mon Mothma, I believe during this book series, Yep. at least Akbar. Um, yeah, but the, you know, Akbar, very old, uh, um, and Mon Mothma, also very old. They, they both die of health complications, if I recall correctly. Uh, it's been a long time since I've read the book. But it its whole purpose really is, as you said, to kind of retire the old guard, in a sense. You know, not completely, right. but really start, start sunsetting, uh, the old guard and start setting things up for the new characters and whether or not uh, it was ultimately successful is completely up to you. You know, your personal take on it. I think it did a pretty good job um, mm -hmm. overall. Really elevated a bunch of characters to the same kind of stratosphere as the big three um, and whether or not you th think those characters are strong enough to move on uh, past that, uh, well, is up to you. But it is a very good series. And I do remember, you know, it, like I said, it's been a very, very long time since I've read it. But I do remember a lot of the young Jedi characters. And uh, going back and reading, I read uh, New Jedi Order before I read the um, some of the earlier books that they were in, the, the Jedi Academy books. Um and I don't think I read all of them, but I read some of them. Uh, and so having them be such important characters was kind of just normal for me. So it's, it's cool to see that you, and you like the new Jedi or the, the young Jedi, young Jedi um, Knights. Yeah. Thank you. Young Jedi Knight trilogy. All, a lot. That's one of your favorite series. So it was nice. It's, it's nice to see that you, you were able to watch those characters uh, mature and and take uh, a more central position on the stage. Yeah, yeah, and you know one of the things I loved about New Jedi Order is, and, and New Jedi Order is meant to be kind of a not a not a reboot because it's not that they ignored things in the past, but so much of the the Legends canon from Heir to the Empire till right before uh, New Jedi Order was essentially it's like oh the Empire's back or there's an Imperial remnant right it's it's kind of just this it's kind of the spinning of the same wheel over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And that Lucasfilm actually sat down with a writing team and like a creative team. And they said, let's, let's think of something new. Let's bring in a new threat. So st I still don't love the Yuuzhan Vong, even while I did this reread, like that was my least favorite part of it is they, they, they like kind of teeter on the, the brink of like, is this a star Wars villain or not? Like, um, there's things about them that I appreciate, but overall, I don't think they quite belong in Star Wars. They feel a little too sci-fi for me. Um, and to those of you who are like, well, Star Wars is sci-fi. It's not. It's not sci-fi at all. It is space opera and fantasy. <laughs> like Star Wars yeah. is not sci-fi. Um, it's fantasy in space. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I mean, but what I the main thing I appreciated about the Yuuzhan Vong is it was so cool to have quite literally an alien force invade the galaxy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I still to this day think that would have been a much better premise for a sequel trilogy is rather than the Empire Reborn is to just have this totally foreign threat come in and our new heroes have to rise to the challenge rather than have to fight the same old fight again. Um, so uh, yeah, like, I, I at least appreciate that about the Yuuzhan Vong. Um, it was, it was cool in that regard. So awesome. Um, what's the, what's the next thing that stands out for you from the past? Well, here's one that I know we both will be talking about. Um, and it is the, you know, we're going to stick in the literary vein and we're going to talk about brotherhood. Um, Mm. which is, I hesitate to say my favorite of the new canon books because I have to go back and remind myself which are all the new canon books that I really, really, really like. Uh, but it's definitely in my top three of the new canon books. Um, and it scores Brotherhood by Mike Chen. Uh, it came out earlier this year. And it is Anakin and Obi-Wan right after Attack of the Clones. We get the knighting of Anakin Skywalker to open up the book. And the two of them have to figure out how their relationship changes and come to the realization that just because they're no longer master and apprentice doesn't mean that the best uh, way for them to operate in this war uh, isn't together. Uh, And they realize that they are stronger together than apart uh, through all of this uh, as they, they deal with the, uh, that business on Cato Nemoidia reference at the beginning of revenge of the Sith. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic book. Mike Chen, you can tell he loves these characters and this era of Star Wars. Just, uh, you know, the, the prequels in general, the Clone Wars in particular, uh, he gets the, the tone and the voice of Anakin and Obi-Wan down perfectly, better than anyone I've ever seen write these characters in this era. Um, and, he creates some fantastic new characters as well. Uh, you know, I know you really like Mill Alabeth. My favorite character from new character from this book is Rue Gwarnum, the uh the security uh personnel uh Nemoidian officer. Uh, I jumbled a bunch of those words, but that's okay. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's a it's a fantastic, fantastic book. And if you haven't read it or listened to the audiobook of it. Yet I highly recommend it. Uh, it it is a feast for the the eyes or ears, not only in terms of just the story itself, but if for with all the references that he throws in there to uh, Clone Wars and prequel uh, events or characters. Plus, I mean, come on, he he makes Dexter Jetster a very important character as well. <laughs> and, and we all could use a little more Dex in our lives. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll dive in, too, because that was the next thing I was going to mention, of course, is is Brotherhood. And I think Brotherhood is kind of it is definitely my favorite Star Wars entry of the past year. It's, it's uh, I've read the book three times now I've listened to it once on the audiobook. I'm obsessed. It's so freaking good for all the things you said and more. Um, obviously we did an entire episode about it. We had, you know, we had Greg on to talk about it with us uh, a while back after it came out, which was super fun. 
Um, and you and I were talking, you know, when I was out there the other day about maybe coming back to this book and, and diving a little bit more deeply into it. Um, cause there's just so much there. Um, yeah, I mean, as a, as a, uh, an attack of the clones group here, Jason, you and I both have such yes. deep love for that movie. This really does feel like the perfect sequel to that story. Um, yes. and, uh, and, and kind of a great. Uh, prelude to the to the entirety of the Clone Wars saga because it's mm-hmm. the, the Clone War has started but it's just started um, and some of the things I appreciate most about the book is the way it honors Matthew Stover's Revenge of the Sith novel um, and mm-hmm. if you've listened to any of the interviews with Mike Chen he's been very upfront about that about how much he loves Matthew Stover's Revenge of the Sith novel which again it's my favorite book of all time. Um, and I think because he honors it so well, I think Brotherhood might be my second favorite book of all time. Um, I mean, it's right on the coattails of Revenge of the Sith. Uh, and and part of that is, is he just he fleshes out Obi-Wan and Anakin so well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I just I feel like I'm in their head in the same way Matthew Stover brought me in. Um, Anakin feels like this young knight who's just excited to be a hero, excited to do the right thing. You have Obi-Wan, kind of this confused, reluctant knight who is entering into a war that he's not sure they should enter into. You have conniving Palpatine working his little, you know, puppeteer master to bring the uh, Jedi ever closer into the you know, into the army. Cause if you've, if you've just watched clone wars, it's just kind of assumed like, yep, they're the generals. They're in charge of the army, but this is what happens in between end of attack of the clones and start of the clone wars movie is we see Palpatine purposely trying to bring that together because that's how he's going to make order 66 work. Right. Um, yeah. And not to mention just the beautiful like moments of Anakin and Padme in this book. And, and it, that gives me like I, I give like a honorary. I really want to give an honorary shout out in light of this also to Queen's Hope, which was E.K. Johnston's final Padme novel um, in her little Padme trilogy, which also takes place right after Attack of the Clones. And it's actually an immediate mm-hmm. prequel to Brotherhood. Um, so if you loved Brotherhood, I can't recommend Queen's Hope enough. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, Mike Chen really does a great job of of showing what it is that make Anakin and Padme fall for each other. It makes it makes their love story more believable because I love Attack of the Clones, but the romance story is cheesy as hell. But like, I still love it in spite of it. Um, yeah, Mike Chen makes their love story feel more real. It makes it un- it makes it understandable that while they're very different people, that those differences are what draw them together. Um, and in a similar fashion, he kind of highlights that balance of Anakin and Obi-Wan that Obi-Wan is, um, is ice and Anakin is fire. And to use game of Thrones language, they're the song of fire and ice, you know, and, and they perfectly (laughs) balance one another so well. Um, and, and getting to see, uh, Anakin give Padme his, his Padawan braid, um, and he freezes it in carbonite to make it into a little pendant. Um, that's, yes. so that's a new caveat is the freezing it in carbonite. Um, but, uh, what I love is that that moment is in the Matthew Stover novel and for revenge of the Sith, we get a, a, ble- a brief little, uh, scene where Anakin gives Padme his braid. And now we have Mike Chen kind of recanonizing it for us and just making it a little mm-hmm. bit something special. And, and then the last thing I want to mention is just the fact that he brings in the story of the sun dragon. Uh, you know, when we had Matthew Stover on the show, uh, you know, a year ago, 
that was the first thing I kind of wanted to ask him was, where'd you come up with this, this image for Anakin of this sun dragon? And he, he told us this great story about where it came from and how it was kind of reimagined overnight because of some feedback from George himself. Um, and then Mike <laughs> Chenda kind of just, you know, it's in, in Revenge of the Sith novel, the sun dragon is something that kind of haunts Anakin. But in Brotherhood, it's actually this story that his mother Shmi told him and then, and something that makes him feel special and unique and wonderful. And that's, and that's what I kind of love is that Mike Chen, before it becomes this corrupted thing that eats away at him, it's actually part of what makes him the, the inherent hero that he is. Um, so all those little elements roll together in a story that feels super Attack of the Clones and very early Clone Wars, not to mention the introduction mm-hmm. of Asajj Ventress, her initial yeah, I was duel, about to mention that. her initial duel with Anakin, like it's written so cinematically, like if you close your eyes, like you can see it happening and it's awesome. Yeah, she was used perfectly in the book as well, you know. She, you know, obviously the main characters are, are Anakin and Obi Wan, but uh, and we get to see Ventress a lot through uh, Rube Quornum's eyes. Uh, I don't remember if we ever get any chapters specifically from her perspective. If we do, it's all it's very few, um, which kind of keeps her shrouded in a bit of mystery because she is at this point of the war not been announced to the galaxy basically you know that this is her introduction to the republic as a, an enemy combatant so uh, it, it's it's very cool to kind of see the the shroud uh the veil shrouding her kind of slowly be revealed until the very end when it's an explosive duel um and and she barely gets away you know kind of a thing mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's really great so yeah yeah, um, that's just, every time that's I talk. About, yeah, every time I talk about the book, I just kind of want to like go reread it. <laughs> so, I I'm, know, right? I'm in the midst of re-listening to it right now for a second time. So, <laughs> so that'll that'll have to do for now. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Uh, well, what else? What else from your Star Wars fandom it, it, it grabbed you the past year, Jason? Well, this is a new thing for me. Uh, well. I've started, you know, in recent years, uh, people probably have, have picked up. I've started playing uh, tabletop role-play games, uh, Dungeons and Dragons primarily, mm-hmm. um, in the last several years. However, this past year, uh, I was recruited into a game by a friend of the show, Kyle Avery, um, who lives near me now, so I see him somewhat regularly. But recruited into a Star Wars role-playing game uh, group, and I've been having a lot of fun playing that and this is my you know role play games are kind of my bread and butter because it comes from my uh my theatrical and acting kind of uh you know side of of me uh that i you know i've been in theater i've been done several plays i've read a couple of audio books i've been in a, a low budget western movie you know this is something I want to do as everyone uh, knows, you know, voice acting, that sort of thing. So being able to portray a character in a game like this and in an in improv kind of based game is something I thoroughly enjoy. And the fact that now I can do it as a star Wars character is even better. So uh, it's been a ton of fun getting to play it. Uh, we're playing a, a game that takes place just before order 66. Uh, we're a, a small Republic strike force on Ork Mantel. 
that's behind enemy lines, essentially. We've got to find a way to, to, you know, defeat the separatists and get off world. In all likelihood, the game, this, the whole, this campaign is going to end with Order 66 starting and we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do uh, because one of our players is a clone trooper and one of our players is a Jedi. So that's going to be fun. Um, I am playing a, a slicer, um, named Namo Cruz. That's K-R-O-O-Z, because you can't have normal spelling in Star Wars. Um, <laughs> and he's a Balasar, which is, uh, Elon Slees Bagano. I, I, I'm not selling death sticks, but <laughs> I am a sneaky slicer, um, who's only working for the Republic because I was arrested and I'm basically working off my time at this point. So... <laughs> so amazing well, it's been a lot of fun i i imagine i i mean I, I don't know for certain but i imagine there's several folks listening right now who are really into uh star wars rpg stuff um you know my good friend ben is super into star wars rpgs and he was running one for a while for me and a group of friends i was the first to bow out i just i could not get into that type of gaming as much as i wanted to um, and they've moved on without me, which is great because they're having a great time. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's not a gaming type for everybody. It's, it's not for everybody, but it's definitely in my wheelhouse. It's definitely so. in your wheelhouse. That is for sure, Jason. <laughs> um, and I love you're having so much fun with it. And I remember being really frustrated that I couldn't have more fun with it. And I remember one night uh, my buddy Greg was driving me home after and I was like, and he was just like, do you want some unsolicited advice? And I was like, yes. And he goes, Carl, just have fun with it. Like, just stop worrying about like anything at all. Just, just have fun with it. Um, and I just, for whatever reason, just couldn't. Um, and, uh, and, and eventually just decided to leave the group. Um, but uh, I tried and I'll at least give myself props for that. But I, I, I am definitely yeah. jealous of folks that, that are into it and, and have fun with it because I'd love to be there for just for whatever reason. It's, it's not my gaming style. Um, but I love that. Like, like for you, Jason, right? Like it's this opportunity to really just kind of create your own star Wars story. And I know that's why they love it as well. Um, ben in particular, like dives into all these like nitty gritty, like star Wars guidebooks because he wants to be able to tell a very intricate star Wars story. And uh, it just, it feeds his fandom in a way that uh, a few other things do. And it, it's awesome to see that for the folks that it works for. I mean, uh, to be honest, ever since I was a kid, I was always making up stories, mm. um, you know, Star Wars adventures with myself as my own unique character within Star Wars. So, like, I'd make myself a Jedi or, or a rebel of some sort, and I'd, I'd have my own name or whatever, and I would just make up adventures that I would have, you know, interacting sometimes with the heroes and sometimes not, maybe some of the villains or whatever. But yeah, I'd, I'd go on missions or, you know, have to fight separatists or whatever. So now that I have an actual game where I can I can do that and not just be making up stories in my head, um, it it's a lot it's a lot of fun. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And that's I mean, I think that's like the perfect analogy, right? I mean, as kids, we all were making up our own Star Wars stories with our action figures or running around with our plastic lightsabers or sticks in the woods or, you know, uh, gift wrapping tubes. <laughs> like we yes. were always telling our own Star Wars stories. Um so I feel like that style of gaming is, is perfect for that. So it yeah. makes a lot of sense why, why it's so fun for some folks. Yeah, absolutely. So what about you? What's, uh, what's something else that's uh, 
been a big yeah. part of your fandom this past year. Well, I'll, I'll say, I mean, in a similar vein to what you shared, Jason, it's something that has has tapped into something that's very fun to me, and it's the sto- it's the show Star Wars Resistance. Um, I when that when the first season came out, I. I had kind of zero interest, very low bar. Like I watched the trailer. I'm like, this isn't like, this is not being made for me. This is being made for children, which is fine. Like that's cool. Like, um, but I was like, well, I'll, I'll turn it on. And I watched the entire first season and every week I was like, that's just, this is a really fun show. Like it wasn't blowing me away, but it, it was fun. And for the last couple of years, I was like, all right, I got to sit down and watch season two. I got to watch season two. And I started it several months ago, watched a few episodes, just kind of fizzled out because I got busy. It wasn't because I disliked it. And then just like a month ago, I was, I was house and dog sitting for some friends for, for a weekend. And I didn't really have much to go going on that weekend. It was like a rainy weekend. So I just threw, I binged the rest of the series and I loved the hell out of it. Um, I, I mean, the thing that really grabs me about that show is just the colors and the animation. I really love the animation style so much and, and how bright the colors are and, and how warm they are. Um, and it has two of my favorite ingredients that go into Star Wars stories, which is um, having a home and having a found family. And the Colossus, you know, the big spaceship that they're on that they think is just a, a space station at the beginning uh, it's it's their home base. The entire story kind of revolves around the Colossus. So we really get to know the characters that live there. So you really get a sense of being at home. I mean, it's, it's it kind of doubles as what the Millennium Falcon was for the original trilogy. It's where all of our characters interact. It's where they they grow together. Um, and of course, it's that that theme of found family. You know, it's it's Kaz and Niku and and uh, Tam and um, uh, Yeager and all these folks coming together, kind of this band of misfits. I mean, that's a very Star Wars theme, and these are themes that I really love. Um, and and again, while the show is primarily made for children, there's some really cool fleshing out of the sequel era. Um, you know, the, 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 those movies are all told in a very tight band, you know, force awakens happens, then boom, last Jedi. And then a year later, boom, episode nine, like it's a very congested time frame. So for resistance mm-hmm. to kind of take place before all that, and then develop into it, you do get a better sense of the first order, kind of what they're about. They, they feel more threatening. Um, so I appreciate it for that, that it just kind of helps flesh out the sequel era a little bit more. Um, and it's just fun, Jason. <laughs> you know, it's just it's a lighthearted story about believing in yourself and working with others to accomplish your dreams. I mean, that's Star Wars to me. Uh, it's it's Star Wars at its core is always about instilling in us the, be- the belief in yourself and the belief that you can you can do anything. And while I do find Kaz to be an incredibly annoying character, um, I appreciate how much he he embodies that theme of of. He wants to be this great pilot and he just keeps after it as hard as he can and comes to realize that he can't do it on his own. He needs Niku. He needs Tam. He needs Yeager. He needs Bucket. <laughs> like he needs all these other characters to support him and they need him as well in, in their own development. Um, so it's just a really fun story in that regard. Um, so, yeah, Star Wars Resistance, yeah. baby. I'm I'm bummed we're not getting any more of it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things where we, we watched it pretty currently uh, when the first season came out, and I remember we did a season wrap up of uh, of that on the podcast. Uh, but for whatever reason, when season two came out, I'd never watched it. I, I 
I haven't, and I haven't really gone back to it until you came out this weekend and we watched uh, three or four episodes uh, Saturday morning. It, it was our <laughs> Saturday morning cartoon as we got up um, that day. So, and it was, it was a lot of fun and it's uh, enough fun that I'm definitely going to go finish the rest of this, the, uh, the series. Uh, I, I haven't had a chance to sit down and do that yet. I've been, uh, you know, busy with work and a few other things, but I, it's definitely on my list to go back and, and finish. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, and I'm glad that you brought it back to me. It's like, Hey, it's silly and colorful and fun and that's okay. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, I still love Clone Wars and Rebels and Bad Batch more as a Star Wars animation. That's, that's more my, my speed when it comes to Star Wars animation, but it's still a fun little show. And, and I'm here for, for Niku 100%. Uh, <laughs> Niku's my guy. So, <laughs> Yeah, he's so good. I, it, I mean, Resistance is totally up your alley for the type of Star Wars you enjoy. Um, it's, it's goofy. It's so like... it's so Jason made. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, and I do. Th- I mean, it is more intentionally made for children than any of the other animated things. I mean, I think I think yes. Rebels was also made for for younger people, but had a lot of themes that would grab all ages. Clone Wars is. De- I mean, there are definitely some arcs that are just for kids, but a lot of that stuff is is quite mature. Um, yes. Whereas Resistance, for the most part, is is pretty streamlined. This is for kids, but right. If you but if you can appreciate the Star Wars elements that are in it, I think you can have a really good time with it, and and that's certainly what's been very true for me. So, I mean, I know, like you said, I, I had you. We we sat down to watch some of them Saturday morning. For our Saturday morning cartoons, um, I when I finished doing season two, I'm actually just about done rewatching season one. Um, I think I actually like season two a bit more than season one. Season one's really fun, but season two is even better. So, um, having a great time with it, my friend. Excellent. Glad to hear that, Blowfish one. <laughs> oh, we're not calling this other Blowfish. <laughs> Roger that, Blowfish one. Um, <laughs> Oh, uh, what's what stands out next for you? Well, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Mm. Um, this is a, a show I've been waiting for since we knew we were getting Star Wars uh, TV shows, essentially. So uh, when you know Disney Plus was announced that we were going to be you know getting a bunch of, of different Star Wars shows, and you know we we'd heard talk almost immediately that Obi-Wan Kenobi was going to be a show. Uh, and it took us so long to finally get it. And it's been a, a big highlight of, of the summer for me. Um, and, you know, number one, it's just great to get Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen back mm-hmm. as Obi-Wan and Anakin uh, slash Vader uh, it was great to see Owen and Baru flesh out a little bit more, get some really great content with them. Uh, the story itself um, gave me what I was looking for in the show uh, and things I didn't expect, which is always something I, I'm, I'm happy to see in a Star Wars show. You know, I, I didn't expect Reva. 
to be a character that I ended up liking so much by the end. Uh, Tala is probably my favorite uh, new character that the show gave us. Um, and the, her sacrifice uh, at the, you know, the it was episode five. Yeah. When, when yeah. she sacrificed herself is probably the most impactful moment of the show for me. And of course the big reason uh, that Obi-Wan even leaves Tatooine to begin with is that Leia being a huge part of the show uh, was a complete surprise that took me, you know, was out of left field for me. And I was glad that the reason Obi-Wan left Tatooine was for that. Uh, because if it was anything less than something on that scale, I think it would have soured for me. Um, but the fact that it is, you know, the other child of Anakin and Padme that he still feels some sort of responsibility for. And that Bale comes to Tatooine specifically to request his help uh, with the issue uh, made it work for me. Um, so, yeah, there, there's so much about the show that I thoroughly enjoy uh, and that is really uh stuck with me and the you know i liked how we got some some different looks at you know what the inquisitors were up to with all the jedi that they end up hunting down uh the fact that there is this path to help uh former jedi and other force sensitives avoid the empire you know the you know little things like that that are kind of dropped in there that can be built and expanded upon in future content has got me very excited. So uh, yeah, there, there's some really great things in the show that I, I thoroughly enjoy and it is, it's up there probably tied with Mandalorian for my favorite Disney plus star Wars content. So um, it depends on the day, what I'm feeling uh, whether it's <laughs> Mandalorian or, or Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I'm just going to call it Kenobi because come on. Just call it Kenobi. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite uh, things that Disney has put out uh, since acquiring Star Wars. So, well, yeah, I'll I'll pick that up. Um, and and for me, it's keying in on a particular part of Kenobi that I really love. Um, as a whole, I still find it a little disappointing. Um, and I'm not going to take time getting into that. Lots of reasons why it it's not quite what I was expecting and that's fine. You know, star Wars fans are really good at making expectations and then being underwhelmed when they're not met. So, um, but I will say the thing that really worked for me is just the way you let it off as well. It's just having you and Hayden back was just incredible. Mm -hmm. And, and you is just so beautifully perfect in the role. Um, the story yes. they chose to tell, I thought was in, in, like an eyebrow raising one. And I'm still not sure that's a story that I needed. Um, I, I kind of would have preferred something a little different, but be that as it may, the story they chose to tell, they told it brilliantly. It was so well written. Mm -hmm. It was so beautifully told. Um, like you, I also love Tala. Um, definitely the yeah. best new character of that show. The, 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 the mythos of the path, and I, I hope they do more with it, um, which I feel yes. like they will um, in some incarnation. But yeah, but what really just makes me so happy about that show is, irreg uh, regardless of all my little petty issues about it, 
that flashback scene of Obi-Wan and Anakin has forgiven all mistakes for the show for me. <laughs> like it's <laughs> to get a, an immediately pre attack of the clones, Obi-Wan and Anakin I, I'm all in. And it was so perfectly executed. I love that scene so much. I've watched it a million times. It's definitely my favorite part of the show. Um, and uh, that well, it's tied with that, and then and then of course the scene where Owen Lars says he is my own. I love that part where where uh, oh, he's defending yes. his boy Luke. Um, also equally amazing. But and part of what I love about it though, Jason is is like the the fan response, the 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 fact that Ewan and Hayden got to see us prequel fans who were kids when those movies came out, and you know they got they got so much derision from uppity film critics and pretentious film buffs that they didn't get to see the joy they brought to young people, which is exactly what those stories are meant to do. I don't care what anybody says. Star Wars is not for adults at its core. It's for children and the children at heart. Um, And, and to see fans like that come out the woodwork to just love on Hayden and love on Ewan was amazing. And and it was cool yeah. because it, I just I felt like there was all this prequel love resurgent when that show came out with all the press release stuff. Um, and it just made me feel so seen. It's like, yes, I, I at my core, I'm such a prequel prequel guy that it was so great to be able to celebrate that again with so many other folks um, and love that they got to see it. And I think one of the biggest successes of the show to me is. It made me actually think now when I actually watch the original trilogy, like I can see Hayden in that costume. Um, yeah, that just that that perfect transition of this middle point where and giving us those quick flashes of seeing Hayden put into the costume, seeing Hayden's face. It just made me think like now when I watch the originals, it's like, yes, this is the same Anakin that fell in Revenge of the Sith behind that mask. And it just it made this it made the saga feel more coherent it made it feel more uh connected and i really love it for that um that worked so yeah. well for me um and it really does you know the the and and the fact that not only is, can you look you know backwards at, at vader in the show and see anakin in it but you can you know when the mask is torn apart and you can see anakin's half face in the mask at the very end you can also look forward and see that that's still the same person, you know, stalking around the Death Star or Star Destroyers, hunting down Luke and the Rebels and strangling his officers with the Force. You know, it's it definitely helps to bridge those trilogies with this character uh, in a way that I don't, you know, that is more visible than it had been before. Mm-hmm. So, for sure, for sure. Um yeah, and, and and just watching that that flashback, that the way they duel, um, I thought it was a better duel than the Revenge of the Sith duel. I mean, that's the this is one thing with prequel fans that I, a lot of prequel fans don't agree with me on, and that's fine. But I don't think the Battle of the Heroes is that epic. Uh, I think it starts great and fizzles fast. Um, but th- it's about a three minute duel in the flashback if you cut it all together, and I think those th- about two and a half to three minutes are way better than the like eight or nine minute duel we get in Revenge of the Sith. Um, it just it, it and it 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 highlights the the same differences in their fighting style. It it looks Anakin's style especially looks very similar to his fighting style from Revenge of the Sith. Um, but I love and I love the way it ends, where when Obi Wan kind of wins the fight and he 
he's trying to give Anakin permission, permission to let go of his need to always win. And this, of course, is right before the events of Attack of the Clones, where he's about to be thrust into this very hard situation. Um, and here you have Obi-Wan in a very tender moment telling him that it's okay to sometimes lose, that it's okay to not always be the best. And then with the scene ending and him just putting a hand on Anakin's shoulder and kind of squeezing, like we don't really see any physical affection in, in episodes two or three between them. So I love that we get that brief moment of, of physical affection that, that shows this is kind of pre frustrated Anakin that he and Obi-Wan get along. Well, Mm -hmm. like he's, he's smiling when Anakin seems to win the fight. He's like, your weapon's gone. Just gets that like adorable grin on his face. Um, it's not even really a cocky one. It's just like he's so he's so pleased that he did it. Um, it's uh, it's just so darn good. Yeah, it, it's it's really great. Yeah, and you're right. It is sort of uh, pre angst, if you will, from Attack of the Clones. It it it, it gives us a little a little glimpse into uh, the fact that yes, they're still master and apprentice, but. It's not all just bickering, so which is always good to see. Yeah. Um, well, so what's what, in typical Wampusler fashion, y'all? We've got five things prepped. So yes, uh, what, absolutely. What, what's the uh, what was the last thing you wanted to bring up for you, Jason? The last thing I want to bring up is, and this is very very personal to me, um, but this is I have move this year is probably you know if you're listening uh to our more recent episodes you probably uh heard but i moved back in june to a uh, new city um and i'm living on my own uh and being able to just assemble my space in a way that just showcases my love of Star Wars and other geekery um, has really been one of my favorite things to do uh, the past couple of months, really kind of uh, display, you know, artwork and action figures and other collectibles like, you know, books and, and other things uh, figure out the best ways to do it without, you know, just cluttering everything. Um, and, you know, in ways that, you know, look good but also are like are fun and and stuff has really been one of the things that i've enjoyed taking time to do over the last several months and it will continue because you know i've got other things that i'm going to want to display um you know there, there will be additional changes to stuff around the apartment over the next months you know i'm very much looking forward to christmas uh getting a tree up because by goodness Carl gave me a bunch of Christmas ornaments when I visited him uh, last year in Boston, and I'm going to have my own tree to put them all on. So, uh, yeah, there's just been a a really, a really personal uh, thing that I've been doing. And it's, you know, being able to, Put all of that out there, make it my space, make it my own, make it, you know, my my little world here uh, that I can call home. And to have Star Wars be uh, very, very apparently represented throughout all of that <laughs> has been a lot of fun. And uh, 
and it's not done. Like I said, it's not done, but it's at a good spot right now where I'm very pleased with how it's all turned out. So there is something so special about being able to have a, a, a space to your own and a space that you can inhabit with star Wars. Right. Um, yeah. you know, and, and I know probably several of you listening have your own ways of doing this. You know, some of you may not be fortunate enough to have like a room dedicated to it. Maybe you just have a small shelf somewhere in your house or, or whatever you may have. But I think, Many, many, many Star Wars fans, you know, have some sort of collecting bug, have some desire to own something Star Wars. You know, all yes. of us have different degrees of what we're able to afford and what we're able to to maintain. I totally get that. Jason, I would say that we are very much in the amateur level, like neither of us are wealthy people, but we're, we do well enough to have stuff. Um, yes. And uh, so I know I'm fortunate in that regard. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm so fortunate to have an entire room of Star Wars stuff and your place. It was awesome. I mean, it's, I made this comment to you several times while I was there this weekend. Like you've beautifully used your stuff to enhance the space. Um, it's not over the top. And I think that's, what's cool is like, I mean, your apartment isn't huge. So like, you don't Mm -hmm. have like a dedicated room for it, but all of your rooms have something that, that showcases your particular love for particular parts of, of, um, of star Wars. Um, I mean, I'm fortunate to have one room and, uh, and there's a lot of rotation within said room because I've probably got too much yeah. stuff, but, uh, it's, it's so much fun. And, and what? yeah, like just being, able, Carl, yeah, go ahead. Carl, what, what star Wars collector doesn't have too much stuff? Uh, let's be honest. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> so, so, so true. Um, but yeah, Let, let's, let's not forget to mention the fact that there is a closet in my apartment that is completely dedicated to all of my action figures and collectibles that I don't have display uh, anywhere else. Like it is literally just full of star Wars collectibles. Yeah. That's no, the no. only thing in there. I'm going to give you all a quick window into Jason's uh, closet of star Wars fun though. This is how organized Jason. And I love this. He has a four tiered like plastic drawer. Um, and there are two drawers that are, that are black and two drawers that are kind of clear and the clear drawers have his Jedi and rebels. And then the, the, the dark drawers have his Sith and like Imperials. It's so beautifully organized. I love it. Um, (laughs) yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah. And totally get that Jason, like having, that's something even in this year, uh, you know, I've appreciated, I think twice this past year, I've completely revamped what my Star Wars room looks like. There, I mean, there, there is, there are a few central pieces that I'll probably never leave. Um, similar to mm-hmm. Rancho Obi-Wan. Rancho Obi-Wan is obviously always, um, you know, funneling in new things and old things, but their staples are like, you know, he's got that tower of all the vintage carded figures. He's got all the loose vintage figures. When you first walk in, I mean, he's got his staples that I think for Steve Sansweet, like these are the things that defined his early star Wars fandom. And that's very true for me. I mean, I have a few stapled items that will probably never not be displayed because these were kind of the, the, the anchors of what got me into star Wars. Um, But other than that, like it's fun to kind of take, take your time and take, take turns displaying different things. Um, and because Absolutely. I did come back with a little bit more than I was planning from my time with you, not complaining, but uh, I was sitting in my Star Wars room tonight and I was like, hmm, what am I going to redo next? So I just got to get some time to do it. I've been so swamped, but uh, um, I'm already re like kind of just reimagining what, what I want to do next. Um, that's it. There's a lot of fun in that. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, well, the final, well, the final, yeah, the final thing I was going to bring up, um, is actually 
I, I this I've seen this documentary before this past year for sure, but I've watched it several times in the last couple of months, and it's called The Prequel Strike Back, um, and it's it's a fan made documentary. I remiss on the the guy's name who made it. Um, it's on Amazon. You can find it there to rent or to buy. Um, it's incredible, and he. He's a little bit older than you and I, Jason. My guess is he probably grew up more ardently in the OT era. And it's essentially like his journey of coming to coming to respect the prequel trilogy because he comes from this place where, you know, it was like, oh, what is this? Like, oh, this isn't what the originals were. And it's he, he structures the documentary as the hero's journey. And it's really, really well done. Bradley Weatherholt is thank you. His name. Thank you for looking it up. Um, but yeah, yes. it's it's such a good documentary that really showcases the brilliance of the prequel trilogy that, sh- you know, a lot of these things, I mean, maybe several of you have already seen it, but and maybe several of you already know these things. But he I mean, he really looks at and comparatively shows like parallel scenes from old silent movies that scenes with Jar Jar elicit things from, you know, several of these movies that come from old movies from the 20s and 30s and how how purposeful George was with his vision and how faithful he was to that vision, even if he knew common people may not understand or like it. Um, and, and they have the guy who developed the ring theory on there several times and talking about the, you know, George is clearly a genius. Like he knew what he was doing with this story he was telling. Um, and I just, I really love the document. It's a really well-made documentary. It's very, very smart. Um, but ultimately what it points out is, that the prequel trilogy at its core is a visual story. It's and, and that's something, especially by already the 2000s, movies are all about dialogue. They're all about acting. Mm-hmm. Um, but George was faithful to visions and visuals. And that's really what he wanted to do with the prequel trilogy. And I think scenes like, you know, Padme's ruminations where you have Anakin sitting alone in the temple and Padme in her apartment alone with that beautiful music scenes like that. Those are the pinnacle of the prequel trilogy. They're, they're kind of these silent moments where George relies on nothing but visuals and John Williams breathing the air into the story. Um, and, and that's really what the whole documentary about is, is just about this is what makes the prequels brilliant. It, you don't have to like it, but, but they are brilliant. And, and it's about respecting that brilliance. And, and it's, I don't know, it's just with a lot of the prequel love we got, especially again, like we were talking about with Kenobi, it's helped me to better articulate and understand what it is about Star Wars that I love. You know, what are the elements of Star Wars that are most important to me? And and the reason I love the prequel so much is because I, I love the visual language of Star Wars. Um, and, and just to highlight a difference of that, that's why, and, and I don't mean this to be negative, but that's why Andor is not particularly working for me. Like visually, it just, it, it doesn't look a lot like the Star Wars visual language that I love. Um, I'm not saying that it's bad or it's not well made because it certainly is. It's very smart. It's very well made. But just visually speaking, there's something that feels off to me from this type of visual Star Wars language that I've come to love from the prequel trilogy. So, you know, um, this documentary just kind of highlights those brilliant aspects of the prequels. And there's a guy in the documentary who talks about how, um, his friend's daughter loves to call him when she's watching Phantom Menace because she says, hey, I'm watching the best scene in the movie. And her favorite scene is when Padme addresses the Senate and calls her about <laughs> no confidence. And he goes, she has no idea what's like kind of happening. She doesn't really understand the word she's saying. But what she loves is she loves the way Padme looks and she loves that she's standing up to to these all these men like 
that's what she loves about it as a young girl is like visually she can just see something beautiful and powerful happening. And I was like, yes, that's why the prequels are awesome. <laughs> um, because you look yeah. at them and I'm like, yeah, these are great stories. Um, so yeah, that's, that was the last thing I want to mention. And, and again, hopefully like kind of the point of the fun of all this, Jason is us throwing around some of the things we really love. Maybe there's things in your star Wars fandom. You're like, Oh, I could, I could use like a, a, a kicker. I, I need a star Wars injection. Like maybe some of these things might interest you. So um, if you're a prequel yeah. lover and you've not seen prequel strike back, I can't recommend this documentary enough. Well, it's definitely on my to watch list because I haven't seen it yet. So I, I'm again, I, I am indebted to Carl for putting things on my radar and making me sit down and watch things such as resistance or now the fact that I, I need to purchase, uh, the prequel strike back so um yeah definitely things on my my radar now that uh weren't before and uh thank you carl for that and maybe 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 if we do a similar episode when we reach 12 years carl uh there'll be something i'll be talking about from my past year of star wars <laughs> excellent <laughs> then my work will have been finished <laughs> oh man um, well, there, there you go, y'all there. There's some of the things that have been energizing our, our love of star Wars this past year. And, um, before we sign off, Jason, I just, I, I think it's worth mentioning all the fun we kind of had the last couple of days out there in, yes. uh, in there in Phoenix. And, um, you know, for the, for those of you who, who, who've kind of gotten to know Jason and I through the show, pretty evident that we are goofy funny star yes. wars fans like we love to have fun with our star wars fandom um and we definitely did once again this year um i said to jason like the first the, the first morning i was out there when we got up i was like i'm gonna shoot little like short video clips of each day so that i can make a little reel of us and have fun with it um you know and uh and, and if you if you're on our social media hopefully you saw the little reel we put together it was a lot of fun to make um, but more than that, like, I just love spending time with you, Jason. I mean, it's, it's so fun every week to, to get to sit down and talk about star Wars with mm -hmm. you, but it's, it's a million times more fun to just be with you in person. And to be fair, like just thinking back on the last couple of years of, you know, this pandemic where many of us were kind of homebound or, you know, our, our social circles kind of had to shrink to be safe. Um, I think we are all reminded just how important it is for so many of us to have physical closeness to people, to, to be with people yeah. in person. And, um, I mean, that's something I've known for 11 years, Jason. In the 11 years we've we've been doing the show, we've I don't even know if we've hung out 11 times in person. <laughs> like we usually we at the start of it, we would get together, make like every other year for fan, you know, conventions and stuff. Um, right. But during the pandemic, we didn't see each other for two years. And, um, you know, it was it was so I mean, it was so great to have you out here visiting me last last October to celebrate 10 years and. I, I was so excited to go out and visit you and we just had so much fun. Yeah, it was, it was a blast. We, we did all sorts of fun stuff. I mean, uh, gosh, Carl, how many games of that new clone wars, uh, pandemic based, <laughs> uh, board game that we, we played. I gosh, think, it was yeah. about, it was like it was 14. over a dozen. Yeah. I think we played about 14 rounds of that game. <laughs> gosh, it was so much fun. Um, but we played that. There was definitely some Star Wars Episode One racer action happening. Um, 
that's just a fun game that Carl and I have discovered we like to play when we're together. Um, <laughs> so, and, and and he's getting better. I got to start watching my my back. Uh, I still win most of the races, but by golly, he's got all my freaking best lap records. That's for sure. Yeah, eat um, it. Eat it. <laughs> Eat it, Jason. <laughs> I may not be able to get first place, but I'll always beat your lap times. <laughs> that's that's very true. Um, uh, but yeah, we, we had a ton of fun. Uh, also, I got to introduce you to a great toy store that's yeah. out here called Collector's Marketplace. Uh, had a ton of great Star Wars figures and a whole bunch of other geeky collectibles as well. Um but yeah, it, it was really great having you out here and being able to share some adventures with you uh, and and just have you here and have Star Wars just be blown up to like a hundred times what it normally is in my everyday uh, because we did nothing but Star Wars for like three days straight and it was amazing. So Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I mean, it was just getting to play Star Wars, getting to be around Star Wars. We watched a lot of Clone Wars. We watched, we rewatched the Tarakoski series as we were playing the Pandemic game. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean that 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 collector's marketplace you took me to was awesome. Like it was so cool being in a space like yeah. that. Not not to mention, hi- yeah. Go ahead. We went twice, by yeah. the way. Folks. <laughs> yeah. Twice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, and of course, you know getting to go up to Sedona to hike around the, the red canyons was just beautiful. Um, you know, it really kind of feels a bit like a, like a, a planet in star Wars when you're, when you're out away from all the traffic and stuff and you're just hiking in the, you know, the trails and, and among the rocks and the trees, it really kind of feels that there's a, there's a bit of otherness to it that could mm. fit in star Wars very, very well. Yeah. Um, it reminds me a bit of the prettier places on Ryloth uh, from the Clone Wars. So, yeah, yeah, it was so fun. And, you know, I mean, but at the end of the day, it's just uh, it, we were talking about this when we were out to dinner at Whataburger, which was delicious as hell. Um, you don't have those out here <laughs> in the Northeast. Um, just again, like how how fortunate we are to, to have each other and to have this show. Um, you know, Jason, you and yeah. I, we're, we're very different people in a lot of ways. We have lots of different yes. beliefs. We have lots of different uh, understandings of the world, but we love star Wars in such a similar way that it connects us and binds us. Uh, luminous beings are we. <laughs> yes. Not this crude matter. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it really is great because it, you know, it has brought us together in a way that, you know, without Star Wars, there's no way I would have met Carl. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's, there's no way that obviously this podcast wouldn't have even existed um, if this podcast wasn't – if Star Wars wasn't a thing. If Star Wars wasn't as important to both of us um, as it is, we wouldn't have pursued diff- the, you know – the various things in Star Wars that we enjoy, we wouldn't have started listening to podcasts. We wouldn't have ended up at the same convention in a t- in a city that is not the neither of us were living in at the time, um, and we wouldn't have been able to meet and figure out that we love and thrive in Star Wars in such a similar fashion, despite how how uniquely different we are 
in so many other ways of our, of our walks uh, of life. Um, and it's nice to have something like that to remind you that, that no matter how crazy the world is, there's still something that you can connect with, um, with people, you know, whatever that may be, whether it's something philosophical, maybe it's something religious, maybe it's something political, maybe it's something geeky and goofy like Star Wars. There's always something you can find about somebody for the most part Mm -hmm. that you can connect with. And I think having this podcast and getting to, to meet at various conventions all the different people that we've that have been drawn to this podcast and, and to our sphere of of awareness within the Star Wars fan community, uh, seeing the various types of people that have been drawn to the same little sphere that we occupy has been fascinating because it it highlights that. Um, even more than just being able to sit and talk with Carl on a, on a weekly basis, which is always a highlight of my week uh, to record Wampus Lair. So it's, it was great having you out here. It was great actually getting to, to see you and interact with you in person again. And it's wonderful that, you know, our little star Wars adventure is still going. Yeah. And, uh, we don't plan to stop anytime soon. Have no idea how long it's going to go. Um, we don't plan to stop anytime in the near future. That's for sure. That is definitely some very, very deep truths. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and and uh, it's it's you know, Star Wars fandom is so big, and there's such a diversity of what Star Wars fans love and enjoy then I think there is something special when you can find someone who enjoys Star Wars in a very similar way to you. Um, you know, cause I think, I think especially right now we're in this kind of new era of Star Wars where we, I mean, tomorrow is the perfect example of this as, as we release tomorrow. Um, you'll have tales of the Jedi coming out in season or in episode eight of Andor, right? Those shows probably couldn't be more different, you know, an animated show that was originally created with children in mind to this very kind of gritty, um, gray world Star Wars story, very adult in nature, right? Like you have just such a dis, uh, a vast array of Star Wars stories that are going to be able to be told moving forward. Um, and you're going to have fans that gravitate to certain kinds of stories. Um, and this actually, this was the last point I kind of wanted to make. And this is something that came out of the ending of the, the prequel strike back documentary is that ultimately whatever you love in Star Wars, whatever really speaks to you, celebrate that and if it's and if if people are celebrating a part of the star wars story and saga that isn't your thing just leave them be let them celebrate it and appreciate their celebration of it right because like i think we know all too well that people are just so quick to want to crap on things you know um if there's Mm -hmm. things about star wars that just aren't working for you you don't like i mean it's okay to say like i'm it's not really my thing but enjoy other people's enjoyment of it, right? Like, like Andor is Andor's fine to me. Like, I'm not loving it like a lot of fans are. It's it's brilliant. It's it's fine to me. Like, it's whatever. But I have some friends that are loving the hell out of it, and I love their enthusiasm for it, right? Like, it's 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 not my place to go in there and be like, well, here's what I don't like about it. Here's why it's stupid. It's like, no, like, yeah. I, it doesn't matter. Like, it it's not working for me, and that's fine. Like, here's all these other things that are working for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy those, and I think. 
bringing that back to to you, Jason, is is like we tend to just enjoy a lot of the same types of Star Wars, um, and that's mm-hmm. what makes it so dang fun. Um, and I love to just be playful with Star Wars, and I can do that on my own, but I can do that in a, a way more exciting and vibrant way when we're together. Um, Absolutely. So already looking into booking my next trip out there to hang with you sooner rather than later, because uh, these, these <laughs> once a year things aren't enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Keep an eye out. Wampus Lair is going to start taking over because Carl and I are going to get the band back together as they used to say. Um, so <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we can do. And uh, obviously we'll, We'll have some fun uh, every time that the two of us get together. We'll have some fun and and put out some some great goofy content for you because that's part of what we love about Star Wars is we get to make these these fun silly things that hopefully you all enjoy. So I mean, have you seen our Battle of Endor mockumentary yeah, yeah, on yeah. YouTube? Oh my um, gosh! Still the highlight of, yeah. <laughs> of everything we've done all these years. That was, that was, that was a blast. Um, it was so good. (laughs) So, well, as we wrap this up again, like I said, at the start of the episode, thank you to all of you who, who, who have listened, who continue to listen, who continue to make, make us a part of your Star Wars experience. We are, we are truly grateful, truly humbled and honored that, that our voice in this little pocket of fandom is a voice you want to hear and even more often uh, a voice you want to participate with. Uh, We love to hear from you. So that said, really want to encourage you to tell us some of the things that have, that have excited you this past year in your star Wars fandom, whether it was a series like Kenobi or a star Wars book you read, or maybe some random local town theater interpretation of a star Wars movie, who knows what it might've been. (laughs) But whatever sort of Star Wars experience you've had over the last year that that really spoke to you, we'd love to hear about it. Absolutely, because that's part of the exciting thing about being a Star Wars fan is everyone's got a different take on it. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got a different thing that they love. And I love hearing different different experiences. And if, if we all had the same experience, what's the point in finding out, you know, what's the point? of of sharing them if we all have the same experience uh then nobody needs to ask how you enjoyed something and the fact that everybody else has different experiences is very exciting to me so i want to know we want to know what excited you this this last year obviously we just spent an entire episode talking about what what excited us uh, there was some overlap and there's definitely some unique things. And I think that's, that's the exciting part about all of these journeys is it's unique to everyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But Carl, if people want to uh, share all of that with us, where can people do it? Uh, well, we are on Instagram at the Wampas Lair. You can also follow us on Twitter at Wampas Lair. And you can always email us at Wampas Lair podcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Anything else before we close down this anniversary episode? Happy 11 years, buddy. Happy 11 years, Carl. And thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair and the last 11 years of the Wampus Lair. This has been episode number 11, uh, episode <laughs> number 489, 11 years and counting for Carl. I'm Jason and I still can't get this right after all this time, apparently. And we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. <laughs>